it's really important that I found that a guy feels this energy coming from a woman that she likes him. Guys are, you might think they're not so sensitive, but they are. And if they feel, um, I love this phrase that men won't apply if there's no job posting and there's no pay for the job. So if a woman doesn't feel like, doesn't give them a sense of that, they would appreciate them, they would, they like them. They're not going to be invested in a second date if they get the impression that a woman is, let's say, a ball buster or something. <laughs> They're not interested. They're interested in someone where they can be successful, that they can have a chance of being happy. Hello, welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. I'm your host, May Bugenhagen. I am the founder of Two Asian Matchmakers, a boutique matchmaking company that helps single men find a lovely Asian partner. And today I am going to bring on Shannon Lundgren. She is the founder of Shannon Circle, the Ivy League's choice for matching accomplished singles in the San Francisco Bay Area. As a professional matchmaker with a 20 plus years corporate senior executive background at a Fortune 50 company, she has the honor of connecting intellectually curious and kind singles with like-minded partners. Shannon has a BA in business from UC Berkeley and an MBA from Harvard Business School. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband and her teen daughter. And of course, I'll put all of her contact information in the show notes, but welcome to the show, Shannon. How are you? I am great, May. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I've never interviewed a matchmaker with the Ivy League's choice for matching accomplished singles. So tell me about that. How particular are you with selecting what clients you work with and what caliber of people that you enjoy working with as your niche? Yes. Um, so my niche has just kind of evolved over time. It's the type of people that not only are attracted to me, but also that I can help the best. And what I found over time, as I was listening to the words they were using and what they were looking for in a partner, there were two words that came up the most dominant. And the first one was intellectually curious. They were looking for someone who wasn't just smart or Ivy League educated, you know, none of that. They were looking for someone who's intellectually curious, which is they truly are looking to understand the world, learn with a progressive mindset in that way. And the second word that would come up again and again is kind. And I heard that again and again, and I adopted that as not only key for my clients, but also the people that they are to be matched with. And it's a key tenant that I keep in mind as I actually talk to prospective clients about matchmaking to find out a little bit about them. Are they intellectually curious and kind? And are they looking for someone that also shares those attributes? So that's a little bit about why my niche is, is that niche and, um, you know, just happens to be that I'm Ivy League educated, but I've worked with people who have had, you know, some that have been entrepreneurial and did some college and were dropouts to the highest, you know, graduate degrees uh, possible. So I have a big range in that regard, but it really is this mentality of being intellectually curious that defines my niche and kind. 
How can you tell if someone is intellectually curious when they come to you? What are they asking? What are some of the topics that interest them? Uh, usually there's, um, so there's definitely there's their work and what pursuits they've done and kind of the path they've taken, which is more, let's just say, you know, their LinkedIn profile, their resume, so to speak. And that's just one aspect. And then the other aspect is what are they doing outside of their work? What are they interested in? Are they curious? Um, a key question I always ask is what's your political leaning? And, and, you know, because that does pertain to dating, not because I'm trying to bring up a hot button topic, but I'll find out, you know, are they, uh, what do they think about politics? Do they think about current events? What do they read? I'll ask them what are, you know, of course, you know, hobbies and passions often fall into the activities, but I'll ask them beyond that, I'll say, what do you like to talk about? What do you like to think about? What do you like to read about? And there I'll find out if there's, um, you know, a lot of meat on that bone or not. Um, then I'll also be hearing the other part is what they're seeking in a partner. I'll also hear that. So that also helps me. And many times um, I'll meet with many people and they're not necessarily a client fit but they're a good fit for my circle anyhow so it's all just kind of learning about a person and getting to know them and um, for the client specific conversations really honing in on what they're about and asking you know deeper questions about their values and what they're what they're about and what they do with their time as well is kind of key to getting to that question are, are they intellectually curious and the other thing that's really interesting is that most often people will not ask many questions about me and that and that makes sense because the questions are more towards them but it's really fun when now and then someone is really curious about me that's when they're really like off the charts intellectually curious they they really want to learn also about you know, my background or how I got into matchmaking or something like that. So I also listen for those things as well. So someone is not intellectually curious if they're not asking questions, if their life is kind of boring, if they are not keeping up with current events or the well, what's happening in the world. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it's not, it's like not right or wrong, just by the way. Um, but someone who has a little bit more um, interest in um, that they don't have interest in reading the news or keeping up with world events and, and you know what's going on, they're not as inquisitive, and and you can find out by someone's hobbies and pursuits what they're what kind of drives them and what kind of gets them going, and also as mentioned, looking at what career they've chosen, but. I'd say I'm more in favor of ruling people in as intellectually curious than ruling them out. Um, I I would say there's intellectually curious people that are boring too. I mean, it, every it, you know, it, it everyone has a different click with a different person. So who you think is just really dynamic and interesting to you could be boring to me. So I don't I don't know if. Um, that's and actually I'm really interested in meeting every person. I actually am intellectual. I am curious. Um, and there is something um, I was listening to a podcast recently. Um, uh, Kelly Corrigan and um, Dr. Helen Fisher were talking about intellectual humility. So that's another part. Is like it's like being curious, and it could even be that just being curious, but also humble as well. This isn't um, you know back to the fact that intellectually curious and kind it kind of equates into also intellectually humble too. How can you tell if someone is kind 
by nature or kind, faking kind? Like, how do you know if someone who sits in front of you and you're interviewing them and you're like, huh, that's, that's a good person. I could tell their character is really kind and generous and sweet versus someone who's not like, how do you, how, can, do you have a kind detector when you're like interviewing <laughs> people? I wish I did. Um, the, the, the best way to kind of know kindness is over time and data points, uh, how they, and, and some people are very smooth, but maybe inside or not as really, you know, kind as one might, as they might portray themselves to, especially depending on, on how they hone their interpersonal skills. So I definitely have been fooled. Um, so it's not like it's, it's, you know, ironclad, but you make a, you make a sizing up and I, once again, ruling in, I do go in with the assumption that most people are kind. Uh, what happens is oftentimes if someone goes down a road of talking about something about their ex or about something that's really negative, I'll be listening to that as well. Um, because, you know, it's almost like when they're meeting with you and I as matchmakers, they're, they're presenting to us and sometimes they're aware of that and putting their best foot forward and sometimes they're not. Um, then ultimately kindness is over time. How do they treat you? Um, as an example, I, uh, one of my clients, I always remembered every time uh, we would interact, he would say to me, thank you so much for what you do, you know? And that was interesting because I wasn't I almost fell fell off my chair when I heard it the first time I was just like oh my gosh I haven't matched you with the love of your life yet and you're thanking me for just do you know being even though you've paid me and you've paid me well for you know just that that generous gratitude and such and that really is charm too which is another aspect we can talk about as as how that's key to dating but um yeah, kindness is kind of over time and a track record and experience. Um, one thing I say to uh, people as they're looking to determine if someone is a good partner for them, I have a, a list of questions that are kind of, you know, oh, is this person for me? One of the questions that does relate to kindness is how do they treat um, service staff, parking attendant, you know, uh, people that really they could treat any way they want and I'm sure they'd be pleasant to them and how do they treat those people and to really watch that and are they you know are they showing different sides to themselves or are they being truly a kind person even to um, strangers that um, you know they don't necessarily you know are, are serving them so that's the key question I ask. You mentioned talking about your ex and when you interview them do you look for things that how people talk about their exes, if they take responsibility, if they have self-awareness with the breakup, like takes two to tangle, but are there certain um, tips you can give the listeners on how to approach the subject of an ex on a date? And Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. So two different questions, because one is when we're talking to them to get to know, let's say a prospective client, we want to know all the all the skeletons and all the whole scoop and what did they what did they learn from that relationship? But on a date, it's very different. Um, and I do find that this is probably the one of the top things I coach uh, clients on after they've gone on a date and I've learned gotten feedback from their respective date about 
them talking about their ex. And the the way that I kind of use the analogy is it's similar to when you are in a job interview and let's say you're interviewing for a new position, you're excited about it, and you're asked that question that relates to why why did you leave your last job? And you know, oftentimes there's an unpleasant story. There could be a boss you disliked. It could have been, you know, politics you didn't like. It could have been the job wasn't fulfilling or you're burnt out. Lots of reasons. Or you could have been fired. So all of that is, quote unquote, the truth. But here you are, are in an interview. And if you're going to be asked back in that interview, everyone kind of knows you need to come up with a talking point to explain what happened. And you wanna, of course, be truthful, but you wanna be smooth about it. So you could, one could say, oh yes, I was fired and laid off or, or fired and my boss was a jerk, et cetera. Or you could say, um, I actually you know, left that opportunity because it wasn't the best fit in terms of the culture and I'm really excited to be here at XYZ company. So it's important to be very, um, careful with that question, which will come up on a, on a, let's say the one to three dates in and know that um, since we as people are fear seeking, you know, machines in our mind, your date is listening for uh, what things might cause them concern or worry. So it's really important that A, you know, you have something to say that kind of gets, explains it and gets you in and out quickly with not a lot of questions. And then, and that is authentic. And B, even prior to that, of course, is making sure you've done the inner work to heal from that relationship. Because I have found that those singles that are going out on dates and even been coached to clean up the message they it's like an itch that they have to scratch if they haven't healed from that relationship and they're still upset or grieving they can't help but share the whole story about what happened and all the bad things their ex did or how they were scorned or cheated on etc so it's really important to kind of do the work make sure you're really date ready before going on a first date and then also making sure you can explain your past in a way that, you know, is authentic, but also is, you know, puts your best foot forward to your date. So what's an example of how you can respond to that if your partner cheated on you and your current date is asking you, why did you guys break up? Like, what's the best way to communicate that? So let's, uh, so we'll do a little role play. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, you asked why I broke up with Frank. Uh, we actually, you know, had a great relationship for many years and we raised, you know, two wonderful kids together and, you know, and really kind of built a great life together, had a great home, great friends and, and, um, and our kids are still thriving to this day. Unfortunately, um, there was, you know, betrayal of fidelity. And um, that was something that I couldn't really overlook. And it really, unfortunately, um, you know, we decided to go separate ways. We have a, you know, hopefully this is the case. We have a friendly relationship. And um, now I'm looking you know, for someone who's really interested in that lifelong commitment. And that's really important to me in a partner. So what I did there 
is not only did I <clears throat> share the truth of what happened with Frank, but I also underscored what I'm looking for in a way that, you know, kind of makes sense. So if this is, if I'm talking to someone who might have a history of that, they probably won't be interested in, you know, going on a second, third, fourth date with me, knowing that they know themselves well enough to know that that's not their thing, then they're not looking for a commitment. Right. So it's a really gentle way to weave that in. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's, um, it's, I could see how two people go on a first date or second date or third date and the topic of exes come up. And I always just tell them, well, you're a not ready to date if the history and what happened between you guys is still so raw that you're going to launch into a story about, like you said, what really happened and you just go on and on. You are ready to date if you both have accepted responsibility and have some self-awareness that yes, it takes two to tangle, this happened. Unfortunately, we broke up, but we had a great relationship while we were together and I learned a lot. And I would love to tell you more about it down the road and just kind of change the subject. Oh, I love not, that, I love that. That's yeah. that's exactly, it's like, it's, um, it's the pivot. It's like yes. you learn this in PR. Yes. You're always gonna be asked these awkward questions as head of the CFO of Exxon or whatever about the oil spill and very tough seat to be in but you're prepared to pivot it and i love this quote um that you know that's a great question briefly not to go into too much detail this and this happened and i'd love you know i'd love to get back to learning about you you know kind of pivot it back to your date because one of my other things that I, um, is not only about how do you talk about your ex and get in and get out cleanly, but the other thing that I also advise is to stay out of the friend zone. You don't want to talk about dating while you're on a date. It's like going back to the interview. It's like, imagine you're going on an interview and you're talking about, oh, all these other interviews I'm going on with other companies. Like what employer would want to hear about that? <clears throat> it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't show that they're really interested in that, that opportunity. So similarly, when you're on a date, focus on your date. Don't, you know, the, one of the don'ts I'd say is don't ask about, oh, well, how's it going on Hinge and Bumble for you? Or <clears throat> how are you liking the dating experience? And because right then and there, you get put in the friend zone. You're talking as if you were talking to your girlfriend or your, your guy friend. It's like, it's very casual and you've left the romance out of that exchange it's 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 about dating in the abstract so that's something else that i try to coach my clients to not do um as much as possible so what other tips can you give people to not be categorized in the friend zone what other things can you do to make sure that your date knows that hey this is a potential romantic encounter you could potentially be romantically interested in me and me into you so how do you not get yourself in the friend zone well there's flirting which is huge um <clears throat> excuse me which is huge as it relates to connecting with a person and i don't mean like flirting where you're making a big physical advance it's little things it's from a guy's perspective it's opening the door for a woman it's making sure that there's not cars coming while you're going, you know, off the street into the into the line of traffic. It's um, 
caring for your date both ways both man and woman um and little things that i love to teach my clients to do is use their name in conversation may as you know trying to peek and remind the person that you're there and and they love hearing their name touching their hand or forearm as making a point in conversation it's more intimate it's more connecting uh talking even about oh well, i can't wait till you know i love um i love hiking on our next date let's you know that'd be great to do so showing confidence and showing interest and then there's also playful banter that you can do between the opposite sex these are more advanced things that i often have my clients meet with a dating um you know, in the case of a woman learning how to flirt with a male dating expert, and they'll do a live mock date, which is really fun because oftentimes, especially in the, in the very intellectually curious types I work with, we're very much in our heads versus in our hearts and bodies. So it takes a lot of uh, coaching and training to start to connect more viscerally, physically, sensuously, and, uh, and as I said, appropriately, but just a little bit of charm um, and things that <clears throat> things that can be really thoughtful, such as even at the end of the date, I had a great time, James, on the date. You know, thanks so much for you know treating me to to drinks, and I hope you have a great weekend and you do well on that you know presentation next week. Just little touches that are giving and caring both ways. You know, woman towards man and man towards woman. It doesn't. It's really important that. I found that a guy feels this energy coming from a woman that she likes him. Guys are, you might think they're not so sensitive, but they are. And if they feel, um, I love this phrase that men won't apply if there's no job posting and there's no pay for the job. So if a woman doesn't feel like, doesn't give them a sense of that, they would appreciate them, they would, they like them they're not gonna be invested in a second date if they get the impression that a woman is, let's say, you know, a ball buster or something. <laughs> they're not interested. They're interested in someone where they can be successful, that they can have a chance of being happy. So are you saying that at the end of the date, the woman should, if she wants to see him again, voice that to him and say, James, I had a great time. I would love to hang out again I would love to do something again or would you suggest women be as bold to put that in the man's court it really depends if a guy is more tentative and shy and a little bit more less confident definitely a woman you know a woman saying that will give him he'll feel like he's 10 feet tall after she says that a guy is a little bit more you know, Mr. Dater, suave type, probably better for, for you to be thankful and to express interest and charm and, and good wit and all of that kind of flirtatious uh, vibe and let him make that move. So it really depends on that. I love it when a guy will say, I had a great time with you, May, today. I'd love to see you again. It just shows such confidence and such you know and 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 a woman doing that to a man who's a little bit more shy or or less you know man about town dating it just gives that confidence 
it, it's 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 a confident move no matter what even if you are rejected. I also think that women want to be pursued. They want to know that guy is interested in them and wants to take him out again because maybe she was on the fence about him and thought, yeah, I could go either way. If he doesn't pursue me and call me and ask me out, then I won't see him again. But if he does, I'd be like, huh, okay, I'll go out with him again. And it's a funny story because my first successful um, marriage with my company, I started this 15 years ago, the the guy I did not tell him that the woman did not want to see him again I knew he liked the woman she told me she didn't want to see him again I just kind of left it like okay let me see where it goes he ended up pursuing her asked her out again she said yes and then a couple years later they got married and they have two kids so it's like you just never know like she was maybe on the fence about you but the fact that you pursued her and showed interest, kind of like when we're in high school or junior high, right? If we know a guy likes us, then we like him back. So I feel yeah. like there's a little bit of psychology with dating still. And for men out there, if you like her, go for it. I always say that, like be your charming self and do all that stuff. But how do you, what do you suggest, Shannon, for men to exude their charm and charm a woman like how do you I mean I know it's kind of with the flirting and compliments and that kind of stuff but are there some key things that men should do to increase their charm and oh, charm absolutely. women okay absolutely. what are they having a, having a plan a man with a plan is right there is leagues ahead of most men is when you come up with an idea it could be after the date it could be during the day it doesn't have to be real time but you come up with a plan for that second date, especially if meeting through us. It's it's like, I would love to take you to this. Would you like to go on Friday or Saturday? And showing that initiative, showing that they can make a plan, they can decide on something is very attractive. Anything that puts things in the camp of masculinity, of making a woman feel like, oh, you know, many of these women, <clears throat> most women today are working and Anything where they really feel they can relax and receive allows them to experience her femininity and a man to experience their masculinity. So that's something definitely is making a plan. Um, you know, once again, instead of just back and forth texting, asking her out, you know, showing initiative in that way. And if you're not interested, you know, definitely coming to you or coming to me to wrap it up so it doesn't kind of just linger on or fizzle out. So really being intentional, decisive, those are things that are masculine and really attractive to a woman. The other thing that a man can do is the, you know, the we love the ZZ Top song, Sharp Dressed Man. There is nothing more attractive to a woman than even in this casual environment where you know, everyone is wearing outdoor gear all over the place. A man who takes time to have a press shirt, nice jeans or nice pants, nice shoes, you know, groomed hair, it's really shows that they're serious about being with you. I even had a couple who met for the first time during the pandemic via Zoom. And she mentioned, I really, was impressed that he wore a nice shirt on the suit. And that's a pretty low bar, but 
some guys would show up in a you know t-shirt or sweatshirt or something during the pandemic but the fact that he you know took the time and thought so don't underestimate as a man how how attractive that is to a woman how mass how we feel much more comfortable when a man takes care in his appearance as well and of course you know most men love when women do but it, the shoes on the other foot as well um the other part that's really attractive is a man uh, taking leadership to the check comes pick up the bill you know and not waver on that and you know woman says oh i'd love to pay and you know like oh you're sure no, you know no just if you've made the decision i'd say this to anyone if you made the decision to pay <clears throat> take care of it subtly take care of it there's no like if you're kind of like not sure you want to pick up the bill then you could say oh you want to split <laughs> but either go all in um so definitely i'm a fan of the man you know paying for the first date that doesn't mean that i'm suggesting that um they are always the ones paying for everything in a relationship not at all i just think it's a very nice gesture for a woman to feel like once again can she relax can she be feminine can she just know that this guy is going to take care of me even little things about uh, a walk to the car after the date. Um, I know that, you know, there's also sensitivity because some, maybe a woman doesn't want the guy walking her to a car, but he can at least ask, would you like me to walk you to your car, you know, given it's dark out? And she could say no, totally fine, don't push it. But if she says yes, which most women would in a dark, you know, street, isn't that lovely? Even if there's no romantic chemistry, these are all things that can change the game on the margins where a woman says, oh, he's really different than yeah. a lot of the guys I've been dating. I completely agree with that, Shannon. The Just the automatic Zoom dates and just dressing up a little bit or even like on a real date for her to be like, oh, wow, he got dressed for this date. And I always, when I used to date, if I was at work, I would change out of my suit, right? Cause I had a corporate job. And I change into my date clothes. And when my coworkers are like, oh, wow, do you have a date? That means you got dressed up properly for someone to notice you're going on a date, right? But if people don't even notice you're going on a date, then you're probably not putting enough effort in the way you dress. Because people want to know that you look like you're dressed for a date and to make an impression and I, I completely agree with that. It's just the little things like, yes, I've been married uh, six years now, but if my husband got dressed up all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh, where are you going? Like, he needs to look different if he's going somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. And you have plenty of time to be casual and yourself and just let your hair down. But it's like a job interview. You Would yeah. you go to a job interview for sweats? You could. But you're not going to get the job, you know, so like, it's like, just simple math here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love it. I love it. Okay, well, before I let you go, is there one last dating tip you can give to the audience out there, especially you've been in the industry since uh, 2012, right? Um, what is one thing that you're like, I wish every woman knew this, or every men knew this, it would make our matchmaker lives easier like what is that one tip that you can share with the audience don't don't prejudge a book by its cover you know who you end up with 
may be very different and who makes your heart sing and add, and changes your life in such wonderful ways may come in a package that is different than you expect. At least be open to the first date to open up that package. And I even recommend a second date because the first dates are awkward and fragile and a lot can go wrong and, and to definitely give it a chance, but give another human being the chance We've gotten so used to filtering on dating apps and as, as if we're ordering off a menu or on Amazon for this person and they don't exist that way. Um, so really making sure that you are able to look at someone, the whole, who they are and you don't even know who they are until you meet them. And even if you're like, hey, I don't want to invest a lot of time, do a Zoom date or a Google Hangout, totally cool. but keep yourself open. You don't know who is going to be the right person for you and you don't want to miss out on them. So, so keep yourself from, you know, have a little fun, know yourself, know your non-negotiables, but be open on everything else. Excellent. Excellent. Now, what type of clients really quick should contact you if they want to work with you? Uh, so my zone of genius is definitely um, highly educated singles looking for like-minded partners in the San Francisco Bay Area. I do do searches in multiple cities as well and internationally, but that's really my my biggest sweet spots. And and even just to be part of my uh, complimentary free database, um, that's you know completely free, and you might live win the love lottery, and I match you with the love of your life. I love it. Thank you, Shannon, for joining me today. And ladies, please fill out a profile with me. If you're single, I'm always on the lookout for lovely Asian women. Please go to twoasianmatchmakers.com. And men, if you're interested in hiring a matchmaker or just speaking with me, I'd be happy to guide you, figure out who you're looking for and see if I can help. If I can't help, I would refer you out to a matchmaker that can. So Thank you, Shannon, for joining me on the show. And everybody else, I will see you later. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.